0: This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Hey. Oh,
1: it was an interesting day in the world of sports. The Giants have a new head coach. We talk about it right now on ESPN New York Tonight.
2: Grooving,
1: what a night for the Rangers, huh? Ranger fans, are you ready for the prince to surpass the king? I'll tell you This kid, Chesterkin, looks pretty good. Looks pretty good in gold. And then of course you have Tony D with a fabulous night. Great night for the Rangers. But what about the, what about the New York Giants? I gotta tell you. So I was so interested and locked in to see Joe Judge. I wanted to see what he was gonna be. I wanted to see what his presentation was. I was curious to see what he was bringing to the table in his press conference. Now, Whatever he did doesn't mean he's going to be a great coach or bad coach. Whatever he said doesn't mean he's going to be a great coach or a bad coach. But I was just curious because as I've shared with you before, guys who fall from the Belichick tree in most cases are kind of, you know, dry, dry, usually, kind of dry. I mean, it took, it took Eric Mangini may have been six games before he mentioned the two words New England or Patriots. Six games. Regular season games. Not six preseason games, not six practices. Six regular season games. I don't, and my memory is a little foggy. I don't think he mentioned New England until the week he played them or the week after he played them. Being honest with you. So I was very curious to see how Joe Judge was going to handle things. And one of the things he said, and we'll give you a number of his uh, comments. We'll play them back for you so you can give us your thoughts at 1-800-919-3776 in a couple of minutes. But one of the things that jumped out at me that he said was, I got to be myself. And honestly, that's all he can be. Can't be Bill Belichick. Because he's not. He can share some of the things he learned from Bill Belichick, absolutely. He's not Bill Belichick. So don't try to act like Bill Belichick. And it looks as though he's going to be a regimented guy who is not going to take any nonsense. Great. We'll see how it plays out. But I was just so interested to see what he was bringing to the table. And he did, he did okay for me. Once again, (laughs) whether he wins the press conference in January doesn't mean diddly squat when it comes to training camp in July. Means nothing. Doesn't mean a thing. Now, I will say this I would have been more enthusiastic about him had he given Giant fans a little peek about Daniel Jones? Because after all, that's the biggest question mark on the roster right now. Can Daniel Jones continue to grow? And what can you, Joe Judge, you do to continue the growth of Daniel Jones? That's that's going to be the big question because this is your franchise guy. And you know – Eli Manning is not walking through that door (laughs) in July. Okay? And if he is, he's going to be substantially, uh, there's going to be some holes in his pocket. He's not walking through there as a $23 million backup quarterback. Oh, no. So that's the question. What is Joe Judge going to do to help Daniel Jones? What is Joe Judge going to do? What is his thought process about the type of defensive intensity he wants? What's his thought process? And what he said was, paraphrasing him, we're going out there. We're going to play hard. Okay. Did I expect him to say we're going to go out there and play soft? Did I expect him to say we're going to go out there and well, we're not going to, we're going to go out there and give it 75%. Every day we're going to give you a hard 75% every time we go out there. No, I didn't expect that. And that's not what he said. So there was some other things I was looking for, but overall he didn't, he did, he did, he did okay. He did okay. Here's the one thing you here's the one thing you walk away from when you think about what Joe Judge said today as a giant as the Giants head coach. Here's the one thing you walk away from. They should be prepared. That's the one thing, that's the one thing that stuck out in my mind from him. They should be prepared. All three phases should be prepared. Because if there's anything that Bill Belichick hammers into his players. And I would assume meaning that he hammers it into his coaching staff is that you've got to be prepared and its details. The little things. If you don't handle the little things, the little things will kill you. That I'm that's what I walked away with from Joe Judge. What did you walk away with? <laughs>
0: You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: It's ESPN New York Tonight on 98.7 ESPN. In case you're new to the show, something we call Throwback Thursday, check this out. We do it musically. That would hopefully take you back to a time when you did uh, some moves on the dance floor in one of these uh, hot party establishments in the Big Apple back in the day. And we vary the music just to see if you can uh, shake up that memory. See if you remember this one. Yeah, the Giant fans do. They want this party started. They're like, okay, you got this Joe Judge guy in here. Here's what I want to know. Here's the bottom line for Giant fans about this guy. Can you bring a winner to this, to the big apple? Can you return this team to what Giant fans are used to? Meaning, Super Bowls. Can you return this team to what the Giant fans expect? And when you talk Giant football, what, what is the, if there was a, And it might be old school, and Joe Judge says he's old school. But if there is an old school definition, identity, for Giants football, what is it? It's a strong defense, strong defense, and a heck of a running game, and an offense. Now, it may not be because in this era of Air Everybody, It may not be Rodney Hampton left, Rodney Hampton right, Rodney Hampton up the middle three yards in the cloud of dust. No, I understand that. I understand that. It's, you know, Danny Dimes, baby. It's flicking the ball downfield. But it's about defense. It's always been about defense with the Giants. Even when the Giants were winning Super Bowls, it was about defense. You go back to the 80s, it was about defense. It was about LT. It was about the linebackers. You go back to the last two championships, it was about the NASCAR package. It was about Strahan. It was about the pass rush. It was about tough, hard-nosed defense. And oh, by the way, they scored the football. So is that what Joe Judge is bringing to the table? Well, let's see. Let's go back and hear what Joe Judge has got to say. Joe Judge, what did you learn? Because, obviously, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban wrote glowingly
3: about him and what he brings to the table. So, Joe, what would you learn? I think when you work with anybody, you try to absorb as much as you can from them. And you're going to always have the opportunity to learn lessons if you pay attention. And they're willing to learn something new. I worked for two great coaches, Coach Belichick and Coach Sabin. There wasn't a day I went to work that I didn't come home with a full new education, and I knew fully every day that there were coaches out there that would pay thousands of dollars to sit in a staff meeting and just hear the wisdom they were saying on a daily basis. I'd like to think I wasn't fool enough, foolish enough to squander that. Both have a very unique style about them. Both have a world of knowledge, okay? Both have a lot of the same philosophical views and a lot of the same values, What I learned from Coach Saban was not an individual lesson. What I learned from Coach Saban was it's important to address everybody, not only on the what they have to do, but how it should look, what we're going to do to get there, and why it's important. And what you find out when you're coaching players, they're not robots. And if they understand what the end result's supposed to look like and why it's important, normally those players are going to take the principles that you instilled in them and in the game make a player's adjustment. And you're going to learn more from the players than they are as a coach because they're going to find a better way to do it in the heat of the moment with a certain adjustment.
1: Now, if he translation for me, it sounds like he wants to do something that very few coaches do. Maybe they set out to do it and can't. Maybe there's a reason why they change him midstream, but he sounds like he's a guy who says, "You know what? I'm going to fit my scheme to what the players bring to the table, as opposed to doing it the other way around. As opposed to say, okay, you're the linebacker. Okay, you've got you've got issues. You maybe you don't run laterally. Maybe you don't. But you're the linebacker doggone it. You're gonna play linebacker. No, no, you need." What is the job of a coach? And I've said this a thousand times. The job of a coach is to put his players in the best position to win the game and to play to their strengths. Doesn't necessarily mean that you have to fit them into what you do best. You have to find out what they do and put them in the position and give them the confidence and the tools to execute what you ask them to do. So from that standpoint, I like that, if that is what he's able to do. Because think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Head coaches are a lot like politicians. Oh, they have these grandiose ideas in the beginning about how it's going to be. Oh, we're going to do this. Oh, we're going (laughs) to – you know what we're going to do? We're going to bring you championships because we're going to play hard and we're going to be mean and nasty. And then you get to your – and then you find out what you have. You're like, well, we may have to make some adjustments here. So that's why I said the press conference really – Not that big a deal, but because of the fact that he came out of nowhere, I was really curious to see what he had to say. Here's something else he had to say. He was asked, what does he want the team to look like?
3: I want this team to reflect this area. I want the people that pay their hard-earned money in the neighborhoods of New York, North Jersey, South Jersey to come to our games and note the players on the field play with the same attitude they wake up with every morning. That is blue collar. It's hard work. It's in your face. We're not going to back down from anybody. We're going to come to work every day and grind it out the way they do in their jobs every day. And they can invest their money in our program knowing it's worthwhile. They put a Giants uniform on. They put a Giants hat or jersey on. That it's not representing just the 53 on the field, but it's representing their neighborhoods, their communities, and their families with the values they have instilled in their children. Sounds like when Rex Ryan
1: says, and you know what? You take one of ours, you're going to take two of yours. (laughs) Well, two of theirs, as he would say.
3: What are your thoughts on the Giants right now, Coach? At this moment, my priorities are pretty simple. I have an outsider's view of this team. I've competed against the Giants. I've studied this team from the outside looking in, preparing myself for this job and opportunity. But I have to make myself fluent in a language within the building. I have to study the players. I have to evaluate the current coaching staff and give everybody a fair evaluation to make sure we make the right decisions, that I have a clear vision of what the path going forward needs to be to help these players progress the correct way. Okay, I'll settle
1: for that, but you could still say, Hey, listen, I'm not here every day, but I got to admit, looking at Daniel Jones from the other side of the field, like some of the things he's done, he's a young quarterback. He's got, he's got to improve. He'll get better. We're going to coach him up. We're going to do what we can do to take him to the next level and continue to help him improve. (laughs) Give me something. If you're a fan base, you want to know what the guy thinks about your quarterback. You don't have to give me details about this is what we're going to do. We're going to run this type of offense. I don't need to know that. You don't have to tell me, well, this is what's happening with the, we're going to go with a three, four scheme. We're going to shoot. I don't need to know that. And listen, you're coming from New England. You're not going to tell me that anyway. Got it. But you got to give me something about my young quarterback who's going into his second year under your tutelage. I need to know something. What do you think about this kid? Listen, you know what? He's accurate. Stood tall in the pocket, like what I saw from him. We'll get to know him better and then we'll, we'll see what else we can do with him. That's what I need to hear about the quarter. You have to, as the new head coach, you gotta give me something. Especially about the quarterback.
3: How's your staff looking? I do not have a staff in place. Yes, I have some names in mind, but we will talk to everybody. We will take our time. My priority is to put the right men around these players that they can come to work every day. They can be coached hard. They can be taught. I want good people. Before anything, if you're going to work in an organization, you're a good person. I don't want any alternative agendas. Yeah, that could be a problem. <laughs> you got to know who's going to help
1: you out. You're in a foxhole. You need to know the Michael K question on, on, on center stage. If there's anyone you want to be in the foxhole with, who would it be? When you're a head coach, that's what you need to know. That's what you need to know. And here's the thing that's so important. You gotta, you have to be able to hire the best people. They may be your friends. They may not be your friends. I know you want to be, you want to hire somebody, especially in your first job that you're comfortable with. Of course you do. Obviously. But you know what? They better be able to do what you need them to do because the spotlight is on you. You are in a position, fair or unfairly where you need to produce because the Giants have struck out on their last two head coaches and they don't want to make it number three. And clearly you don't want to strike out. That's obvious. That's obvious. But there's even more pressure because the last two have not done well and they have exited before their term of contract was up. So there's a lot of pressure on this young man, a lot of pressure on him to make sure that he gets it right. I'm very curious to see what happens. I I have no, listen, I don't know what it's going to be like. He doesn't know what it's going to be like. He was very honest. Like what I saw, like a lot of things. The time will tell just how good he is or how good he will be or whether he can handle this. Because I'm telling you, I know he said well, you know, special teams, we talk to everybody, we focus on everybody. You may have to you have to know different people for your for your, you know, the to have on special teams and and the outcome and the personalities all well and good, all true. All true. But when he started going to examples of talking to the offensive lineman about playing on the no, you're not you're not you're not talking to your starting left tackle or your starting right guard about running down on special teams. He's not doing that. And I know he said he's going to entrust his coordinators with a lot of responsibility. The buck stops with you. Quoting our Damian Woody, who talked about Rex Ryan, you are the CEO of the team, not any one phase of the team.
0: You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: It's ESPN New York Tonight. Throwback Thursday. Here we go.
2: You need a trip, because he's now with the misery and pain. Just
4: remember how he would tell you lie, and then written that everything is so sweet. Watch
1: Little Pebbles on a Thursday night. Let's hear what you got to say on the phones, talking about the new Giants head coach, Joe Judge. Charlie and Woodside, you're batting leadoff on in New York tonight.
4: Good evening, Larry. Thanks for letting me batting off leadoff.
1: You got it, Charlie. What's happening, my friend? So...
4: To be, to be full disclosure, the Giants made this. I mean, if this, this the Giants was like the Baltimore, Raven, Baltimore Ravens, were established, or they can say in baseball when the Yankees hire Aaron Boone, those are the hires. Makes you know what, you know what, I'll buy into it. Makes sense. But you know what, Larry, yet again, the Giants are living in age of dinosaur and Ice Age. This is a clueless hiring. Now, if they, if get them, if Frog Gettleman was not here. If they come in a clean, clean house, I'll be more opt- optimistic. But when I hear in his press conference, he's almost like s- old school smashing, smash mouthing football, fundamentals. Of, and I think somebody asked about uh, about Jones. He completely kind of dismissed it. He talks, start, I mean, instead of he's talking about the, I mean, what is that? The team as a whole, how fun, the fundamental stuff. I mean, it's almost like I was listening to, you know, Belichick minion. That's not. I don't want. I don't want that. Belichick minion. If I if I'm here for Belichick, I'll I get it because you know because I can I can have to see in the sense that this is another disaster for the Giants. Well, who knows what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Who knows what's going to happen with the Giants? But in my mind, this a uh, clueless irony, and the Giants. The joke continues, and. It is just ridiculous how this team is embarrassed. I mean, how the way how Matt Rule, I mean, hiring, I mean, uh, process, uh, I mean, went. That was that was ashamed, and and literally after the one hour later, the hiring rule to rule to or Carolina didn't hire this guy. Special teams, heck, I mean, what, what? You
1: know. So, Charlie, let me ask, let, let me clarify clarify this for me. So, is the biggest. Is the biggest issue that they hired Joe Judge, or is it bigger that they let the, the guys that you wanted to go? You wanted to go. You probably wanted McCarthy, yes?
4: No, Belichick.
1: But I'm so, But the
4: problem is Gettleman, this Frog Gettleman, and Mara, Tish was not even part of the process. That's the biggest problem, Larry. That's the biggest problem. If this was a clean house all the way across the board, mm-hmm. I, I feel a little bit more optimism. But since Frog Gettleman, who... I said it, Larry, last night. as long as Frog Gettleman stays, it's a the giants will be a doomsday.
1: I hear you, Charlie. Thanks for the phone call. Now, I understand that you're not big on Gettleman. But listen, when Gettleman was on the K show, he made it sound like these this was a Tish Mara hiring. He was just in there, but the decision was theirs. Now, you could say, look, all right, they passed on rule. All right, they they were stuck. They had the McCarthy goes to the in their division, Rivera's in their division. They wanted Rule Rule gets the enormous contract, and I, I have to be honest with you, okay, I do. If I'm the Giants, I don't know that I'm giving Rule what he got in Carolina. He has player decisions, multi million dollar deal, six years for a guy just coming out of college. I don't know that I would have done that as the Giants. I don't know. Now, Charlie, I get it. You're from the school of, all right, you're bringing in the new head coach, then bring in the new general manager and let them do what they have to do together. Let them grow together. This way they're kind of on the same timeline. All right, because really, obviously Joe Judge wants to win. I'm not saying he doesn't want to win. He doesn't want to win right away. But Gellerman's Gellerman's really on trying to keep his job. So his moves may not be in lockstep with Judge's moves. I understand that part of it. But we got to give Judge a chance to see what he can do. I'm I'm fascinated by it. Edgin Woodbridge, what's up, Ed? You're next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, hey, Larry, how you doing? This is I'm SM. doing great, ESPN. partner. Um, uh, I was listening to Charlie, and I was like, what are you talking about? What did George
2: Young do before uh, Bill Parcells? He hired incompetence.
1: This man... Uh, Joe Judge sounds like he got his act together. It may take a couple of years, but it actually sounds like he's got a plan and he will put it together and, and get the Giants to the promised land. Now, as far as Daniel Jones goes, I don't blame him for saying, uh, "You know what? Let me see what I have first before I make a comment on him." But then so he could leader, give. I understand. But, yeah, but then to be fair, as are you a Giants fan? Oh, uh, diehard Giants fan. Okay, don't you kind of want to know what your new head coach thinks about the guy? I mean, uh, if, if he didn't play against him this year, Ed, I'm good. But, Ed, I, he I, played I, against him this year. He has an idea. He saw something. He doesn't have to give me details, Ed. He can just say, you know what? Listen, he's a young man, shows a lot of promise. We'll see what happens as we get him in the, into the program. and I get to know him every day. got to give the fans something. This is your franchise quarterback. I get it, but...
5: But my my thing with him, I believe he's just leaving the
1: door open in case he decides to draft another quarterback or bring Eli back Ed thanks for the phone call, my friend. they're not bringing Eli back <laughs> they're not bringing Eli back and because I don't believe Eli is going to come back at the, at the at the at the at the discount price that they're going to demand a backup quarterback to be. I don't see him doing it i don't I could be wrong I don't see it. I don't. Samson Flatbush, What's up, Sam? You're next on 98.7 ESPN. Larry, what's going on? What's up, partner? I'm doing great. How are Listen, you? Listen, as
4: a Jeff fan, I, I think this hire is actually really good. I'll tell you why, Larry. Because okay. there's a thing in sports. Just not like going I make my football point. Then I make my basketball point. Mm-hmm. The thing in fo- sports is trends. Like in baseball, I wants want to throw them in basketball, in basketball, everyone wants to shoot the threes. And in football, everyone's wanting to, to draft the new off, next offensive genius, mm-hmm. which doesn't always work out. The, the Cardinals when and got Cliff Greensbury, and they dumped their the Josh Rosen. It doesn't always work out. So now that the Giants went ahead and they got someone who they actually liked instead of just going after the trend. I think that's good. But the only problem with that is, I think that if they thought he was so good, then why was he the only the third choice?
1: Mm-hmm. I agree.
4: Larry, can I ask you a question? Go. Why isn't James Harden getting enough recognition for MVP of the NBA? The guy's averaging almost 40 points a game. I don't care how much you say he shoots. The man is special.
1: He is, Sam, a fabulous offensive player. No question about it. And and I'm sure there are people who are talking about him as MVP. I'm sure they are. But at this point, when you see what the two L.A. teams are doing and you see what look at Doncic is doing in Dallas, and you see what Giannis is doing in Milwaukee. And remember, you know what kind of hurts him right now is the fact that he's got Russell Westbrook on this team. So that that kind of hurts him as well. You know how I feel about James Harden. He is a fabulous, unbelievably talented offensive player. And I hope that this year, this is the year where he's able to parlay that and bring that to the postseason when everybody's watching and everybody can see and when it really counts and he has the type of performances or close because obviously you're playing against tougher teams because they are playoff teams and you're playing against better defenses and you're playing the same team over a amount of games so they get to know your plays and you get to know their plays and it's harder to do. I get it. But at some point in time, he's got to raise his game in the postseason so that he can get the season long accolades that he deserves. But he, he right now, for what he's able to do offensively, he is tremendous. And in the regular season, there's very few who are better and he is entertaining as heck. Now, personally, if he, you know, moved the ball a little bit more, which he's starting to do and doesn't give me the false into the fouls and stuff like that, I would appreciate him more, but I can't take, I can't sit here and tell you he's a bad player. He's a phenomenal player offensively. Phenomenal. And you're right. He's definitely in the MVP voting. But when you look at what LeBron is doing and you look at what, uh, you know, uh, uh, other folks are doing around the league, they're just not doing the same things.
0: You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Make that move right now, baby. Well, to start off the second hour on our throwback Thursday, dance to this. So
6: many times by hoping like I the good things pass me by. And then one day I ask myself a reason why. And Like an answer from above.
1: To my life. And me one thing for sure. You know, I don't know if we'll get a chance to talk about it today, but I got to tell you this, this, <laughs> the uh, Twitter exchange with Kevin Durant and uh, one of my former colleagues, Brandon Tierney, and a couple of fans is interesting. And that's what he loves to do. And how about this Kyrie practice? Hey, could be back soon, which is a difference from I'm going to wait a month or two to see how my shoulder feels and see if we have to have surgery. Wow. The Nets could use a little injection of him back into their their offense because their offense is struggling a little bit. But it's just interesting. It's, it's really interesting because Kevin Durant loves that. You know, he – he may have these burner accounts and stuff like that, but he likes to mix it up a little bit. It's interesting. Let's get back to the phones. one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Bruce is in Flushing. Bruce, you're next on nine eight seven ESPN. Hey, Larry. A few points if I
2: can. Number yep. one, I love Joe Judge. Do you? Oh, brought, brought tears, not tears, but brought me happiness in the cockles of my heart because What he was talking about, I've been waiting for the last few years. Number one, he sounds like a young Bill Parcells. Number two, I know now, after listening to him, when Saquon Barkley gets 140 yards in the first four carries, I know he's going to get more than four carries the rest of the half.
1: Yeah, I understand that. He's going to run the football, isn't he?
2: And he's gonna run the football. But he also said now if you listen closely, he said this is about matchups. One week I may run the ball forty five times and one week I may throw the ball fifty
1: times. Well that so, is the that is the ultimate Bill Belichick way of life, Bruce. They are no, they are opponent specific. They definitely are.
2: I have no problem. But it shows that it's not the same thing all the time. He's playing against against the other team. Number three, I I know that what I saw for the last two years, wide receivers opened by 10 yards. That's not going to happen on Dan. Maybe once, and that's about it. And he's going to have a physical team. And what happens in the old days when you played in the 70s and 80s against the Bears, the Steelers, and our Giants, you knew you were in a football game, and you knew... You knew that it was going to take a hell of an effort to beat this, those teams, and that's what's going to happen. And then also, you talk about he didn't mention the quarterback. He just didn't want to mention anybody before he got, he got gets comfortable and looks at the other people. Because if you mention the quarterback, people would probably bring up the um, the defensive lineman we created from the Jets. So he just wanted to, you know wait for a while, let me look at the team, and then we'll talk. Now finally, you say. People who who, who uh, call up and say, you know, he's, he's a gentleman's stew, this, that. Who sounded more like a football coach? Joe Judge today or the coach of Carolina uh, yesterday when it seemed to me he went on and on and sounded like, I mean, that would be good for a college team the way he was going. But you expect to go into a pro locker room? and say, I want you to play Madden, Madden football as hard as you play against the Philadelphia Eagles. That may work in college. That doesn't work in the pros.
1: Bruce, you make some great points. Thanks as always, my friend. Always good to talk to you. Um, I will agree with you that Matt Rule came off like a college coach, which is what he is. I agree. And as a matter of fact, there was a couple of Twitter folks that tweeted out to me who made that same statement. But... To be fair, Bruce, I don't expect that from Joe Judge because Joe Judge has, first of all, didn't coach in college, A, and B, because he's been under Bill Belichick and that's not how they roll. So his, his role to the NFL is different than Matt Rule's role to the NFL. Once again, I understand what you're saying, but ultimately when we break all this stuff down, all this stuff and the biggest adjustment is going to be for him. And his coordinators. He doesn't have to say anything about Daniel Jones for me, that's okay. But you know what? He better have somebody in here, as Nikki and I mentioned, as Nikki mentioned in our pregame, in our pregame huddle, before the show, he better bring somebody in here that's gonna develop this kid. Cause we know it's not him. Okay, he better bring somebody in here, either some offensive coordinator or some hot quarterback guy who's going to who's going to make sure that this kid continues to grow because that is your franchise guy. That's number one. And number two, yes, everybody is opponent specific. And yes, that is what Bill Belichick preaches to the highest. But you know what else Bill Belichick does a phenomenal job in doing? He makes adjustments. And ultimately, that's where your coaches are. That's where they make their money. Because, yeah, your the specific. But then it seems like, you know what? Maybe what I have to do is see what, to get an idea of what he's going to do. Maybe I'll just sit back and see what New England did. And they'll give me kind of an idea of what they're going to do. And what will he be able to do to counter? He is correct. His assistants, his coordinators, are the key to his success. They better be good. They better be good. And he's going to have to lean on them because this just in. Yes, it's closer because you're special teams and you do touch more players than just the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator. He's absolutely right. You do touch more players. But here's the other thing. You don't have the time to be in depth with them either. You just have a... You just have an overall idea about what's going on because you have to focus on schemes and you have to focus on every aspect of this team. You don't get to just have just the special teams, even though he may know all the players and he knows what they can do on special teams. It's different when you have, when you're responsible for everybody and you got to know what's going on in everybody's side of the room. Not just special teams, not just wide receivers where he was and he's got previous experience in, but you got to know everything. Once again, he's the CEO of the New York Football Giants. Good luck. Mike's in Queens. What's up, Mike?
6: Good evening, Larry.
1: Good evening, Mike. I'm doing good, man. How are you? Uh Yeah. Gotcha.
6: Uh Larry, the uh New York Giants, yeah, my friend tells you everything you have to know. Uh on the Michael Kay show, the guy who covers the Patriots Mike Reed. They had it on, and he said there is a plus of type to him in the sense of when he was on a practice field you could actually hear him. And this is a teams coach. Mm-hmm. So he is more vocal what was that? No, go ahead. So he so if you can hear the special teams coach on practice field, so he so that Bill Parcells type. But what the part that I, that baffles me is how Bill Parcells his coaching tree they have success, and Bill Belichick every coach fails. I mean, did Bill Parcells do a better job of telling his assistants this is what being a head coach does? This is the things you have to do, and did he teach them, prepare them? Because Bill Belichick his assistants cannot do the job. So why? So what? Is the difference? How did Bill Postel teach them? That, I mean, does Bill Palashev just not tell them anything? Because that's how he is. But I just, I wish I knew how, how the difference. But uh, can judges do the job? I mean, well, it's better than the Jets uh, than, uh, than the Adam Gates news conference. His eyes weren't as big as the podium, so that's a good start. But mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, if you're the uh, giant, if you wanted that control, uh, then okay. But I still. I still don't know why the incident, why the day, the Jets, why did nobody hire Mike McCarthy? Like, what is it about him? Like, because Aaron Rodgers gave him what? a attack? I, I don't get it, but maybe Judge is the guy. But again, Larry, tell me, why do you think, why, why does any assistant of Bill Belichick, tell me why they all fail? Like, what, what is the battle? Because Bill sells his guys do good.
1: Mm-hmm. What's the difference, Larry? The difference, Mike, for me, and thanks for the phone call, is that, and we'll see if Joe Judge doesn't do this. He said he was going to be his own man. But for me, the difference has been that in these places, a lot of the guys have tried to act like Bill Belichick going in. And they don't have the rings to act like Bill Belichick. So it was more, it wasn't just how things were done and how the preparation went it was they tried to do it the exact same way as Bill Belichick impersonating Bill Belichick as opposed to trying to emulate the success of the program in New England being themselves and how Bill Belichick treats people. You can't treat people that way because you don't have rings on your fingers like he does and the length of success coordinators have come and gone and he's been the consistent one so that's been the biggest uh, uh, biggest difference for me and once again i only go by being here when eric mangini came down from new england and when he was eric mangini he was entertaining If you had the chance to speak to him off to the side and it wasn't in a, you were just asking a question that wasn't about, you know, state security or what the, what the game plan was or something like that. Eric Mangini is a brilliant football mind. He is brilliant. Brilliant. I learned so much from him in press conferences and talking to him on the side on those few occasions that I did. Brilliant. You never got that from him because he was trying to be Bill Belichick instead of trying to be Eric Mangini. You want, you really want to get Eric Mangini going about loving Eric Mangini? Talk to him about boxing. Love boxing. Big boxing guy. Had Teddy Atlas come to the Jets on a number of occasions to work with them.
0: You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
6: Millie deals fell from my
0: eyes. I wondered how much anyone may take. I wanted you to
1: retaliate. Well, commission from back in the day, you remember that group? Had a bunch of very, very talented young men who went on to have individual careers. They sang together early. They're good. Some nice tunes. Albert's in Jersey. Albert, you're next on 98.7.
7: Hey, Mr. Hardesty. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, partner. What's up? All
7: right. So I was just calling to uh, give my two cents about the uh, Giants coaching hire. Uh Uh-huh. So, I I mean, I'll start with number one. We're, We're, again, with another Bill Belichick assistant. We're, what, maybe one in six with the success rate of them? We got, you know, Charlie Weiss with Notre Dame. We got Romeo Cornell with the Browns in Kansas City. Eric Mangini with the Jets and the Browns. We got uh, Brian Flores in Miami. That's still a question mark because that's still in the, progress, in the process. Um, we got uh, Matt Patricia in um, Detroit. That's still work in progress. But neither of those two look promising either. I mean, the only one that, you know, you can really point to success with is Bill O'Brien with Penn State and now with the Houston with the Houston Texans?
1: Mm-hmm.
7: I mean, it, Bill Belichick doesn't seem to prepare his assistants for the rigors of a head coach because, like you had stated before, they all seem to try and emulate him, and you know they get stuck in that and never seem to have their own success. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know barring Bill O'Brien. Um, second point. Um, If we're going to go based off of a man's credentials, okay, well, he was a special teams coach and coached the wide receivers in New England. The special teams unit outside of Matthew Slater was average at best. I mean, that's not really a ringing, you know, endorsement. And the wide receivers was, as per Tom Brady, one of the more, you know, unreliable units in the NFL. Even he said he had trouble trusting his wide receivers. I heard on SportsCenter that Julian Edelman led the league in drops. That's not a ringing endorsement of him either. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it, you got that, and, you know, combined with the fact that he's another Belichick assistant, it, it doesn't look good. Well, my choice for Giants head coach uh-huh. would have been uh, McCarthy would have been good. I right. wouldn't have had a problem with that one. But my choice for Giants and, and you know, you know, I'll put my credentials out here. I'm a Jets fan, okay. So I'm not a Giant fan. Uh huh. But my, a perfect choice in my mind would have been Eric Bieniemy, the offensive yeah. coordinator from Kansas City. He would have been perfect. Work with a work work with a young quarterback, as he's done with Patrick Mahomes. You know, he's worked with great players. He's you know been calling the plays in Kansas City. He would have been perfect in my mind.
1: And to be fair to him, Albert, thanks for the phone call. The um. That coaching tree has been a little better than the Belichick coaching tree. You know, that 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 coaching tree, the Andy Reid tree, has been a little better, <laughs> been a little better. To be fair, but once again, the the NFL is looking for, which is why it took a while, I believe, for Mike McCarthy to get the job offer. The NFL is looking for the young, we're going to do it this way type coach you know, the young coach who can, which is interesting because the NFL is is skewing towards the young coach who can reach the younger players. That's why McCarthy is different, but I think he will work because the younger coach going into Dallas with Jerry Jones and that crew that's really ready to win now, I don't know that it would work there. So I just think that right now the Giants are going younger because what they want to do is have, once again, the younger coach to work with the younger team. When you look at this team, they're younger players on the team. There's no Jack Rabbit on this team, there's no Landon Collins, there's no Eli Manning, there's no Grizzly veteran who has had experience of winning, who's gonna look at this guy and like, who's this guy kinda coming here to tell me what to do? You must be kidding. That's not happening. That's not what this has been about. So yes, I would have loved to see Eric be enemy with a head coaching job. Anywhere. Not just in New York. Anywhere. Because for me, which is a whole other topic, which we'll get into. We have, don't have time to get into tonight. We've kind of touched on it early as everybody else has here on 9870 ESPN. For me, he's gone through enough interviews that he should be like polished. Everybody calls him in for an interview. He's always called in. And I don't know whether people are taking his ideas and incorporating them or in what's happening, but he never gets a chance to run the whole thing himself. He hasn't, he has yet to get that opportunity. And listen, I mean, I'm sure Andy Reid would make a phone call for him the way that Bill Belichick called for Joe Judge or the way that, you know, maybe Dave Gelleman called Washington for Ron Rivera. On the line. But once again, You've got a scenario where, okay, Ron Rivera's been to the Super Bowl. Mike McCarthy's won the Super Bowl. Eric Bieniemy is is right now handling one of the hottest young quarterbacks and one of the most potent offenses in the National Football League, and he can't get hired. And this is not about what the show probably over. It's not about that. It's about. Cause I can't force, I can't sit there and tell Mr. Meyer and Mr. Tish, you need, you really need to hire Eric Viennami. I don't know what you're doing. You really need to hire him. They hire who they want to. And I wouldn't want to be in the position to say you have to hire somebody. But let's be honest, folks. The only reason we have this Rooney rule is because even the NFL realized that something wasn't right. That's why they put things in. Why do, why do we have to have quotas? You know why we have to have quotas? Because people involved realize, you know what, we're not doing the right thing. Because if it was just about the resume, we wouldn't have to go through this. And oh, by the way, part of the reason why we're going through this at the NFL level is because we're going through this at the college level. So there's not a whole lot of folks in the pipeline. And those who are in the pipeline keep getting circled. They can't get out of the pipe. Keeps getting stuck in the pipeline. Once again, Eric Biennami has had enough interviews over the past couple of years that he should have been able to land the head coaching job already. Because you learn from each interview, you learn, you get better, you get more familiar. You are listening
0: to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN to school he was wearing my harvard tie can you believe it? my harvard tie like oh sure he went to
1: harvard what's your assignment kill the quarterback you drop a pass you run a mile you miss a blocking assignment you run a mile you fumble the football and i will break my foot off in your john brown hind parts and then you will run a mile
0: it's time to go back to school with trevor scales on ESPN
1: New York tonight. He's joined us a lot. Almost every Thursday <laughs> during the football, during the college football season. Then we had these different games and we disappeared and we came back. But Trevor Scales has been doing it with his one hour show weekly. And it ends with the college football championship Monday night in the game. You can hear right here on 98.7 ESPN. That means I will have the night off. I'll be watching the game as you will too. Clemson against LSU. Trevor Scales, happy new year. Welcome, my friend.
5: Happy New Year to you as well, and you and yours, uh, Mr. Larry Hardesty. I always appreciate you having me.
1: Always a pleasure, my friend. So for me, and I want you to break this down, as Don LaGreca loves to say, into a fine powder for the folks on <laughs> Monday night. But for me, is it is it is it as simple, Trevor, as is Clemson's receivers against LSU's defensive, back, uh, defensive secondary?
5: I really think that there are a lot of – different matchups that you're going to have to look at. You're, you're going to look at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire against the defense that's really coming to form in the back half of the season for the Clemson Tigers. You're going to look at Joe Burrow as a whole being able to get into the right call, knowing that Isaiah Simmons, the uh, all-everything for Clipson. man has lined up (laughs) at about 11 different positions on 11 different possibilities on the defensive side of the ball, and he's going to have to have eyes on him. Uh, We saw in the semifinal game where he went back and played free safety and got a pick, and so Joe Burrow cannot completely lock in on Isaiah Simmons, but he's going to have to be aware of him. It may not just simply be the wide receiver for Clemson that we know are stacked with Justin Ross and Kee Higgins. Uh, and we know that they have a running game to go along with it and Travis Etienne. Uh, but it, it is a matter of, you know, these two defenses are going to be challenged and both of these quarterbacks who are likely to go number one, uh, in these two consecutive years of the NFL draft, uh, are going to have to deal with these defenses.
1: Break the quarterbacks down for us.
5: I really have grown to appreciate Joe Burrow going back and watching his performances. And specifically, when you've got down to field level on a lot of these takes and melts that we have coming into the worldwide leader, seeing his mobility and not just necessarily the big time runs that he's taken off for surprising 30 yards with what people like to call sneaky athleticism, but it's more so the subtle movements that he makes. What you talk about with Tom Brady in his old age now, and that he's able to make minimal movement in order to create super effective windows for himself to throw into uh, as well as just creating uh, sort of uh, bad positioning for defenses, his subtle movements and his control and his composure within that office is something to really marvel at. We look at Trevor Lawrence on the other side, and it's, it's just a brother that doesn't ever get too high or too low. You see a lot of brains of emotion, but not in a bad way from Joe Burrow. I appreciate it, but Trevor really doesn't come out of that, ranked, right? Like my namesake has an ability to really just stay at that fifty level, whereas you can, you might get Joe Burrow up to hundred a couple times a game. But Trevor Lawrence, aside from the one time we saw him try to rile up the fans on the sideline in the semifinal, he really is cool, calm, and collected at all times. It's like he's been there before. We know he has in this case, but even when he was a freshman, it looks like he had been there before. It wasn't nothing to him.
1: Trevor, we talked a lot about it, and rightfully so, Jamar Chase has been outstanding this year for LSU, but Justin Jefferson left an indelible mark in me and how he just tore up Oklahoma.
5: Man, listen, like they are, that that offense is the problem, (laughs) right? If we go back and revisit just the fact that he, he, Justin Jefferson, had four touchdowns in the first half, not to mention his quarterback threw a total of seven touchdowns in the first half, which is not only an FBS bowl, bowl record for a half, but it matched a game for a bowl record right like that that's that wasn't fair it was criminal what they did to that oklahoma defense i was i happened to be blessed to have the opportunity to head out to phoenix for the fiesta bowl game that followed that uh peach bowl and i saw it got up to 21 to nothing and i said you know or 21 7 and i said you know what i want to actually go take in the scenery before things get too hectic on the field i'm gonna go take a lap just trying to see by the time i took one lap around a hundred yard field right like 53 yards of crossways, 200-yard trips either way. It was over. It, it was 35-7. I don't know what happened. I didn't <laughs> make the touchdown of the score. I took one lap. Didn't stop. I just wanted to take a quick stretch my legs out. That offense has proved to be such a problem. But between both Javar Chase, Chase and Justin Jefferson, like that is just a tandem uh, that is only rivaled, frankly, by the Cats down in Bama, it feels like, when it comes to just a wide receiver court that has depth. Uh, and really, Clemson, too. Right? Like Those three programs have shown the propensity to have just multiple options out on the edge uh, that you really have to make sure you're mindful of at all times.
1: Trevor, what's what's a what's a player? What there's all in in games like this. There's always somebody that we don't Mm. expect that's going to make a big play. We're going to be like, where did this kid come from? Uh, Mm. See, see, file on the tour a couple of years ago, coming off the bench for Alabama. Who who is who could that player be for both sides?
5: You know, I think we have so much emphasis on both of the quarterbacks, and it's not that a name, his name doesn't necessarily ring bells for college football fans, but Clyde Edwards-Elair, all eyes have been on him for the sense of his injury and what he does to balance out the air raid, uh, Not, it's not technically an air raid, but just the act of them being able to put up numbers via the pass in the LSU Tiger offense, but His impact in the passing game, not only in pass pro, but also his ability to kind of be that fifth option, that check down option and create a whole lot of something from just a minimal route. Uh, that's something that I really do expect to really be a game changer in this one. And for Clemson, you look at Travis Etienne, and he's obviously been a playmaker down the stretch for them. But Isaiah Simmons, the name that I mentioned, that does everything on defense for them, look for him to be a part of just about any play at any given moment that can really turn the tide in the favor of the Tigers.
1: Trevor, it's always decided by coaching. It's always decided by adjustments. Give, break down the coaches for us. We know these guys are fabulous coaches. They built programs who are outstanding. Uh, what's the coaching matchup like? This is two. These are
5: two of the most lovable figureheads, right? Like uh, it feels like in college football right about now, right? In and, and Ed Orgeron and Dabo Swinney, right? Like I, I may have my opinions about the takes that Dabo Swinney has about uh, the amateurism concept or whatever have you, but it goes without saying that he has a pulse on that locker room and he has his guys galvanized in a way uh, that not many people can really create. And in a short period of time, it feels like too. And he's not necessarily the football savant that people would expect for instance, Nick Saban. Nick Saban is the guy that you expect to really know the X's and O's through and through. Davo, on the other hand, surrounded himself with incredibly smart people that really want to be in that coordinator role, and they do a dang good job doing it. You go across the sideline, across the field, rather to the other sideline with Ed Orgeron. He's a guy that not only has captured just a sense of the team, but the entire state of Louisiana. Right? Like he looks like gumbo personified, and he talks like it, too. Mm-hmm. And I think that just plays into the identity and just the the, the, the the characteristics of that theme and how they've all just sort of circled the wagons and been a, a, about just the state of Louisiana and putting on, and it's a home game for the national championship form. So, like, what better situation and uh, stage for them to be on? Um, and similar to Dabo, like, he's not necessarily in the football sub but he brings in Joe Brady, a guy that can really create that offense to be something that opens up and has just an incredible amount of production. Uh, and he has his defense right that he always has, and leans on his coordinators to really just make that team go. All
1: right, Trevor, last, uh, last question, two-parter. The over-under is set at 69.5 points for this Ooh. game. All right? Ooh. Uh Which yeah. way do we go? Do we go over, do we go under, and who wins? Okay. I will say... <laughs> <laughs>
5: Uh, the under is for cowards. Let's go for the over here. I, I do think that we're going to see at least 35 apiece from these two teams, right? Like I think they are perfectly capable of doing it. Uh, LSU's defense is more questionable than Clemson's, but I just think that what uh, Joe Burrow has been able to do all season long. Really does run up the score, and they're just going, it's going to be whoever has the ball last is going to end up walking away with this thing because both quarterbacks are just so dang composed that they are not going to bat an when it comes to that last second heave or two minute. They got to run. Uh, second part of that question was remind me, please, who wins? Oh God! Why I don't want to make that pick. And I did. I just want I, I thought I was going to get out without being able to actually hone in on one. Because you know me better college. than that. You know, know me better than that. I should. I should. <laughs> uh, I, I think it is just a sort of there's fate involved at this point when mm-hmm. it comes to the LSU Tigers, and I really don't have another uh, attribute to assign it to. Right? Mm-hmm. Like these joggers have just built up to this point in the season to where they have a home game in the Superdome on yeah. an hour drive away from their crib to lock up the national title with uh, the prodigal son of Southeast Ohio has, that has been adopted by all of Louisiana and Joe Burrow. Like, man, just it feels right mm-hmm. for them. And though I have the utmost respect for Davos Winnie and the Clemson Tigers, uh, I, I just think that it ends up being one of those home field advantages.
1: I hear you. Trevor, listen, uh next Thursday I want you to come back, give us your thoughts on the game and we want to touch on I want you to pick out I'm giving this is your homework assignment. Okay. We'll I start. want you to give me think of cuz I'm getting my my audience ready for the upcoming draft. Top, yes, sir. top three running backs, which I know you, you could tell me right now. Oh, yeah. You,
7: know
5: that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got
1: another thing. We can do that too, man. Fired up, man. You know, top old <laughs> linemen, you know, give, give me the top guys that are going, mm. top, top three guys on both sides of the ball that are going Most in certain. the draft next week. All right. Most certainly. Wouldn't be happy to. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk. Enjoy the game. Sounds great. You as well. All right. Thank you, Trevor. Trevor Scales, getting us caught up and prepared. For the college football championship, it's Clemson, it's LSU. It's right here on 98.7 ESPN on Monday night.
0: You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.